0: The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. Here we go. So I go upstairs to my bedroom the other day. Uh, Amy's there. I walk in, and she is crying. And I'm like, "Mm, this is not the good kind of crying. And I don't know what good kind of crying would be, but the bad kind of crying is like I'm involved with the crying. So (laughs) good kind would be if someone else did it bad kind i i'm i'm involved and uh so she's crying and um, i don't even say anything i just kind of look at her and she's like we're going to a dodgers game for mother's day and i'm like those are not tears of joy and i'm like what who told you that he said bella told me you got tickets bella dang it she's like did you maybe (laughs) do you even know me Mm, trick question? I, you know, it was just sort of this, this this bummer of sort of a moment in my in my room, like just sort of backpedaling, and and I, I had jumped on these tickets, and it just was not going over well, and the surprise was sort of sprung ahead of time, and so anyway, I have five tickets to the Dodgers game today at one o'clock, uh, if anyone's interested, but it, but. <laughs> And I will, if you guys, you guys, some of you guys know me and hear these stories, I will just continue to fail at major holidays. Like, I just, I'm a slow learner. I don't, I don't, maybe I'm not learning. That might be the problem. I've just been in in doing this for almost 20 years. And uh, I will keep trying. I will not give up. I will keep doing things on these days, but um, I will continue to sort of miss the mark with with my wife. But I think, you know, when she's like, do you even know me and and this kind of stuff? And and obviously, I do. But I'm, but I'm still sort of growing in that. In our relationships, if, if you've been, you know, with your spouse, like, you feel like you should know them, but you still do things that just seem like there's this great divide. And particularly from the wife side of things or the mom's side of things, like, you have no idea. Like, I like, feel like for moms, some of the stress is that you're just constantly surrounded, not just by kids, but just imbeciles in general, just like everybody else. It's just like you have to deal with these, these people that are around. And it's not easy, right? It's not easy being a mom. And I, I, think, I, I think I did not give you my slides, so that's okay. We don't, that's okay. We don't need them. It's not easy being a, a, a mom. If it were, fathers would do it, right? Like, that's part of the deal. Like, it's hard being a mom. If it, if it wasn't hard, like, we can, do, we can jump in and do that. But we, we just struggle with that. And so for moms, even though you know, we're, we're growing and, and, I, and I'm working with my wife and I kind of understand the situation, there's certain areas like, you just don't get it. You don't get it. And I, I almost feel like we almost never will. I think you can close that gap. And relationally, we will continue to close some of those gaps. But some of that is just, it's just how we're wired in that we're difficult. And for, for, me, for me, and I can speak for myself, like she just knows exponentially more about parenting. Like, instantly. And, and and whether she does or doesn't, like, that's my perception of that. I don't know, dads, you remember your are first born, if you have kids, and you, you go to the hospital. And we were 25 and been married a few years, and I didn't have hardly any experience with, with babies or, or really even hospitals. Like, I just didn't. It was all new to me. I had no idea what was going on. And, like, you know, you have the baby and, and, and this sort of process. But then that moment when you're going home and, like, you get in your own car, and I'm like, what? They're just going to let us leave with the baby? <laughs> like, you don't even know how to put the car seat in. Like, you know, do I have, how do you feed the baby? And Amy's like, I know how to feed the baby. And like, but but I'm, I remember, like, I have no idea, but I like, I assume mom knows. Mom will do it. And even if mom doesn't know, mom knows, like, I have to do it. Because if I don't do it, she knows I'm not going to be able to do it. And so moms carries so much of this, 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 this weight of, of, of life, but particularly with the kids in just a different role. And I still feel like that sometimes as, as a dad. I'm engaged, I love my kids and we have have good communication, but there's certain things like mom still just has to jump in and bear. And we can share as much as we can, but if you're a mom, you feel like sometimes you you bear a little more. And dads are typically like, it's even, I do just as much. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you have no idea. And so there's this weight that moms carry. I just want to affirm you guys. Moms and that it's not it's not easy. It's not even like this is great news, but it just is. And we just want to recognize that in your in your relationships. Like your mom is carrying a whole other sort of load and and weight and and, and burden and, and and abilities into this world into our into our partnership. And they do it because they must do it. I mean, moms, man, moms, like, if I don't do it, no one will do it. You kind of have to do that day in and day out. And so we're going to look at a story um, for a few minutes. This cool story of a mom in the Bible. And the Bible has some good, good mom stories. The Bible was predominantly written... By men and from a male perspective, so it's there probably should be some more mom stories than there are. But the ones we find are really cool, and we're going to read one today. And it's about uh, the mom of a man named Moses. And and probably some of you are, hopefully, many of you are familiar at least with the character of Moses. And he led his people out of slavery from Egypt, and they crossed the Red Sea. And he's this this father of the faith, this patriarch in the Old Testament. Uh, Likely wrote most of the first five books of the Bible. So he's just this awesome character. You know, we wouldn't be here without this guy, but but he had a mom. He came from somewhere, and this is a story of his mom. It's in Exodus 2. I'll read this out of uh, NIV. It goes like this. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to his son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated him coated it with tar and pitch. So, so backing up to Exodus 1, so there's this mom doing this hiding. Why is she hiding? Well, the Egyptian empire at the time had the Hebrew people living in it. That came through, if you remember the the story of Joseph and the Technicolor Code, and he saved his people. He brought them to, to Egypt, and they avoided famine, and so all these Hebrews were living in Egypt, in the land, and over time, more and more of them came, and their population grew and grew and grew, and so the pharaoh, he started to notice this, like, Wow, like there's a lot of these Hebrews here. I'm kind of getting nervous. If they keep populating the way they do, they could overthrow us. They could over, overpower us. And he had sort of a, more of a mindset like, we need to keep them subverse, subversive to us, submissive to us, serving us. And all of a sudden, he's, he's worried that this population is going to rise up and take over. So, so the Pharaoh has this, this idea, so let's get rid of all the, all the boys, all, all the new baby boys. And so in Exodus 1, he talks about. The midwives, he said to he said decree to the midwives, if you're delivering Hebrew babies and it's a male, you have to, you have to kill the baby. Uh a so really tragic time in the history of, of, of Israel or the Hebrew, Hebrew people. And so what happens is the midwives basically get that, and, and they probably do a couple of it. But mostly they're standing up saying, no, we're not going to do that. We, we're not going to do that. It's just, that's just not right. It's too harsh. So, so the midwives don't do it, and they kind of hide it. Uh, years go by, the Pharaoh was like, you know what, what whatever happens, I see a lot of young boys running around here, like, weren't we supposed to do away with those guys? And so he issues this decree basically to all of Egypt, said, hey, listen, this is the deal, everyone start policing this situation, if you see a, a Hebrew baby boy, throw him in the Nile, and the Nile, at this, in, this, in this polytheistic culture, was like a deity, so it wasn't just like, oh, throw him in the river. Like, it's almost like give it over to this god, throw it over to the, the, the god of the Nile, and let him deal with it, but we, we need but you need to do this. And so there's this, there's this mass genocide happening, which is really dark and, 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 and sad and tragic that genocide of, of the Hebrew people is, is starting to be put in place. And this woman has this baby during this time. And I gave, she gave birth to a son. And since she saw that he was good, she hid him for, for three months. So she has him. It's like, you know, there's no way I'm letting go of this baby. I, I, it's not going to happen. I cannot do it. And so she hides him for three months, and when she can hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated, him, coated it with tar and pitch. She placed it, child, and put it in the, among the reeds and among the bank of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. One day, Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her tenants are walking down the riverbank, along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? So this daughter's watching. She's like, uh, I have an idea. Let me go, let me, let me go get, a, get somebody to help with this. It happens to be the mom. Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of water there's a situation happening and and in this story this is again moses and and also his sister to some extent are, are, are going to change the course of history for this people group and ultimately the rest of the story of the bible and it begins with this this really brave selfless servant mom taking care of of, of this baby and getting to a point where, where, where whatever she had to do to protect him, she would do. And I, if you're a mom, you know that. And I don't see dad in this story. I don't want to knock dad, but they don't mention dad. I'm sure dad was helpful. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But it's about mom. The story's about mom. It's about her name. Her name gets mentioned later on. And so mom selflessly and creatively cares for, for her baby and to a point where she would she would almost let him go, and she does over to Pharaoh. So a second two times, really, she sets him aside. I don't know what's going to happen to him. She gets him back, and then she releases him again into, into Pharaoh's core. And letting go of a baby, I, I can't imagine, and some of you maybe have had to go through this sort of grief. I, I can't even imagine it. The, the closest thing I, I had to go through was, and, and some of you know the story for us, is a few years ago we had a, a foster baby. Uh, baby Matthew. We still call him baby Matthew. He's kind of big now. Um, But baby Matthew came from the hospital to us as a newborn, and he lived with us for about seven months. And in those, you know, first seven months, you can get pretty attached to a baby. That's what happens. And that's actually what foster care is for, to love on this baby, make sure he feels connected. Now, at that season of life, we were interested in adopting. We had looked overseas, and we were, were beginning to poke around domestically. So we were beginning to think, man, this may be for us. Maybe God's doing this. Maybe this is the time. But it kind of came out, you know, fairly quickly that there's family around. It doesn't seem like he'd be a great placement for us. And mom was trying to get her stuff together, and we were supposed to do our job as foster parents. But did that not change, That did not change the ache in my heart that I would have to re- turn over this, this baby. And, man, it was really hard for me personally. And I, and I have to imagine it was just as hard, if probably not more so for Amy... But she was the one, when, we, when she would meet with the boy's mom, interact with the social workers, who had to be strong, say, you know what? It's okay. We want best for this baby. We want a firm mom. We want a support mom. And I'm like, we are not giving the baby back. I will move to Canada straight up. Done. I, I, I'm serious. Like, I really thought about it. There were some nights I'm in bed, like, thinking that through logistically. Could I get him to Canada and just be done? Because I do not want to turn the baby over. I love the baby. I, I, we, we feel like he, you know, he becomes your sort of son in that moment. When we went to, to, to bring him to his mom's for, for overnights for the first time, and, and eventually on, on, on a Christmas Eve had to, had to release him back to his mom, man, I couldn't look at the mom. I couldn't speak. I remember going into the, into the baby's room where he was going to share with his, his brothers and sisters and building his crib with Jet, and I just I couldn't do anything. I was just trying to keep it together. But you know what Amy had to do? Make sure mom felt comfortable. Amy w- w- was loving on, on this mom making sure she felt supported. Man, I mean, I'm just like a mess. And I know Amy was inside too, but there's that element of you just dig deep. And moms do this time and time again. They dig deep and make sure other people feel safe and comfortable, particularly your kids and sometimes those around you. And so this mom in this story, this is not a great circumstance to be in. It's a hard thing to even hope through. And if you're this mom, you're watching things go down all around you that are not good. Like man, this maybe this doesn't even feel like it's gonna work out. All these babies are being taken, but she doesn't give up. She does not give up. Give up hope, and she and she hides this baby for months. And and what's cool here, and we'll look at this in a moment. She can probably continues to hide him. The word here, it, when she looks at the baby and says, she's a fine child," or or some translations read, "It was a good child." Uh, it's a different word for, for good, so we don't see this word too often when the Bible translates good. It's this word tov, Hebrew word tov. And tov comes from Genesis 1, when God would say, I, he created this on this day and saw that it was good. And it implicates some sort of anointing. And mom recognized, man, there is anointing here. There is something bigger going on, this child. I, I have got to figure out a way. And not that she wouldn't do that for this other child, but the writer makes a note that there is something that mom recognized. Like, I have got to do everything for this. And I would imagine if you're a mom, you probably feel that for each of your kids because each of our kids has a destiny. And each of our kids' destiny starts at home, and it starts with messes and tantrums and good times and bad times. And she looked, so she looked at this boy and said, he's good. And she sometimes, somehow maintained hope in these circumstances that were going on all around it that she did not create, she was not responsible for, She's not responsible for, the, for our issuing this genocide, but she's going to do whatever it takes in that moment. And we've probably all been there. And I, I, probably some of your moms even feel this more. Like, I don't even, I can't control what's happening around me, but I have to dig deep and make sure my kids feel safe. I can't control that. I can't, can't control jobs. I can't control moving. I can't control all the, all the finances or, 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 or health or sickness or what's family dynamics. Man, I'm going to do whatever it takes to shelter my kids. She takes this, this unique gift of a boy that she's recognized and she has and places him in the reeds. And, and what's cool here, and if you've seen the movies or um, imagine this in books, I, I don't know. For a while, I, I, I could picture, like, she puts him in a basket and he floats down the Nile. I'm to kind of imagine that. Like, there he goes. He sets sail. I've heard sermons preached on that. Like, what do you need to put in the Nile and, and set sail, you know? Which would be a fine sermon. We could do that. But what, but what it really looks like here, and if, if, if we dig into some of the, the text, and what scholars would, would suggest is that it doesn't say she put him in the Nile and he floated away. She, she put him in the reeds and hid him there in the reeds. And so what it feels like, if, if we break this down a little further, that she's, she's doing this over and over again. She's hiding him out in the reeds. And then she goes and gets him. And sister, we'll find out her name is Miriam, is a tremendous woman of the faith, is watching watching baby Moses so mom has to do her 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 work and her job and women were were very much mistreated in this in this time and she'd have to cu- cover, care for all that she, she's hid little infant baby for three months now she's got to go hide him in the reeds and we don't know how long this went on but th- there's a chance this went on for a while day in and day out taking care of Moses putting him in this in this little basket hiding him in the, in the reeds Asking Miriam, this little girl, who's probably between six and nine, because if she was much older, she'd be working somewhere. And if she's much younger, I'm not sure she has this conversation with, with, with Pharaoh's daughter. And so there's this whole scene happening, and you can think of the weight that, that mom is bearing to care for this, this little guy. I, I, don't, I don't think it was like, oh, no, here comes the bad guys. Well, put him in the basket, there he goes. man. No mom would, would be like that. She's already logged months of hiding him. She places him in the reeds. She places him in the reeds. And she built this, this, this cool basket. And I think we imagine it, you know, if, again, if you've seen the movies, it's just like a, a little wicker basket and it, it floats away. But coated with tar and pitch that would float and be safe. And the, and the, and the word for basket here is, is teva. And, and teva is not really what we the Bible, would, Bible translate basket. The only other time teva is used... To describe something is in Genesis eight, and it's a little boat called the ark. And the ark, the teva, is a place of hope and deliverance, a place of safety. And so, so mom builds an ark for Moses, and she uses her mind and her wit and her in her creativity, and she makes a safe shelter for her baby. And again, I, I really think it's it's a it's a period of continuing to hide. And the text is sort of this continuing tense, so it wasn't just I put him in there and he floated away. She hid him for three months, then she had to change her scheme. She builds this, this ark, call it the ark, hides it in the reeds. And she would do that day in and day out. And she was brave and smart, and, and, and she's compassionate to, to her little one. And if, and if you know, you know, if you're a mom, and, and many of you are, and particularly in this culture, like, that wasn't all she had to worry about. All right, what am I going to do today? I just got to save my son again. No, I have to, she has to cook, clean, pluck chickens, take care of the, the grounds. Oh, yeah, then I have to save my son again. I have to fear for his life again. I have to trust my, my little girl to be out there again day in and day out. As this, as this oppression, as this threat is moving in. And I just want to say, I know that, I, I just know that from, from the moms I've been around, you, you bear some of that and you do it really well. Because you still do all the other stuff and you still save the lives of your kids. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's, again, that's why da- dad's not in this story. He, he could not do that. And so he puts him in this, again, in this ark. And she sends her, her, her daughter to look after him and... And so one day Pharaoh's daughter is down by the Nile to bathe and the attendants are walking around the ri- river bank. And again, it doesn't say it floated by and they fished it out. Like they just kind of saw this thing in the reeds. They saw the basket and they, and they pulled, it, pulled it to them. They heard crying and it was one of the babies. And, and Pharaoh's daughter, she's there watching, you know. And, and this is a whole other story of this amazing little girl working with her mom to, to, to protect the life of her little brother. She sees this happen, and I don't know how many days went by where nothing happened, but all of a sudden something's happening. And like, oh boy, it's Pharaoh's daughter and her attendants. And this sister, this little, again, six- to nine-year-old girl standing on the banks, watching her baby, watching this thing go down, like, oh boy, they're getting closer. Please don't see it. Please don't see it. Please don't see it. They see it. They get this basket out. It's this crying baby. That It seems like kind of Pharaoh's daughter's like, I don't know what to do with the baby. She goes up and says, hey, should I get one of the Hebrew woman to nurse the baby for you? Man, And just this sort of moment, she just, just, just jumps in and saves the day, this little girl. She's smart and, and, and witty and brave. She's courageous, compassionate. And where do you think she got that from? She got it from mom. Because she's grown up watching mom live this way and protect this way and care this way and be brave this way. And so in this moment, when this sort of crisis hits, she jumped in. And later on in the, in, the, in, the, in the context of the Bible, one of our prophets would write, much years later, he'd write back to the deliverance of, of Hebrew from Egypt, the slaves. And he wouldn't just mention Moses, but he would mention Miriam, his sister, who this little girl is and becomes this tremendous woman. And so when Mom, when you dig deep, and when you, when you use your mind and your abilities and you serve, man, your kids are watching that. And I know it seems thankless, especially when they're little. Like, they don't care. Little kids, they don't care what you do, do they? They don't care. They might pretend they care. They don't care. They write a card at school every now and then. But, but man, it matters. In the formation of their lives, It matters. I mean everything from the from the from the third trimester on it's formation and it's important and that's that's just science and ner- neurons and people smarter than me have said man it it matters those early seasons matter the connection matters the love matters and so what you do moms it matters it matters because the people who change the world come from somewhere the, the geniuses and the compassionaries and the, the beautiful people that we interact with and are, who are making a difference, they come from somewhere. And so, moms, you have this, 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 this gift to continue to shape and love. I just want to encourage you on that. I, I just want to say we know publicly it's hard. I don't know how many days of your life you feel like, oh, my gosh, here I go. got to put it in the ark again because i got to protect it because there's all this stuff happening and it's getting crazy. So mom's got to jump in and make sure everybody's safe. And we appreciate that. I appreciate that as a, as a son. I have a mom who, man, went out of her way to protect me and my four brothers from the wrath of my dad all the time because we did really dumb things. But as a, as a you know, husband to a mom and, and, a, and a father, I mean, I, these dynamics, it's just amazing. The strength of the mom, and, and the Bible, we'll will, 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 will give it a paragraph here, but, man, it is, it is critical to the story of the Bible of, of these moms jumping in. And so this mom, she's, she's recognized a little bit later, and uh, Miriam is, is, of course, too. i want to close out with that today. But I, I just want to sort of encourage you and ask, this is really for everybody, um, because there are situations in our life that are, are hostile. There are things happening around us, and maybe you're in a season that's not, and that's great. There are seasons that, that it will be. Things are coming around outside of your control. And those are where, those are where we're called to be brave. That's, that's when it takes to be courageous, in front of our kids, for our kids, for one another. And I think we all need to remember that if, if God is who he says he is, and in, in a sense, if we, if we go back to Genesis 8 in the story of the ark, which sounded a little bit crazy to the people at the time, most of the people at the time, I mean, even the builder of the ark was a little bit like, all right, this is, we'll see about this. God said, trust me with this. Trust me with this. And, and, and again, in this story, when she puts baby Moses in the teva, in the ark, it's a, it's a, it's a trust. It's not 100% control. It's doing the best I can. And so God's going to move in our lives, and he asks us to trust him. But he also asks that you, you be involved. Right? It's not fully passive. She didn't just lay him out and open, like, well, I'm just going to trust God. She's like, what can I do here? And then trust that God will make up the rest ro- the, the rest. I'm going to build the best thing that I can. I'm going to make it the safe, safest hiding place that I can. I'm going to put my daughter here and trust God. And even if the story doesn't go the way she had hoped, there's 100% redemption in, in the end. So I'm going to ask Noah to come up. We'll close out with a, with a song. But I know we all have fear. We all know have anxiety. I know moms, you, you carry it more so. And, and sometimes these are things like, you know, my kid's not growing up right, and where are they going to go to college, and they're not going to be able to buy a house, and whatever, you go down this road of anxiety and, dis- and chaos. And sometimes dads do that, too. Are they going to be a decent human being? Are they going to be that kid? Are they going to be a, you know, are they going to end up in the principal's office? Like, you've got to let that stuff go. Like, do the best you can. Use your mind and your soul and, and your creativity and, and build the best teva that you can, the best safe home that you can, and then trust God. And then trust God. So, Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for story. Uh, thank you for the moms in the room, just for just kicking butt day in and day out. I uh, pray for encouragement. Um, whatever level you're at as, as a mom, if you've been a mom for, you're not even a mom yet, but you're getting ready to be, or you've been a mom for 50 years, and, and I just want to pray, pray blessing over you. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless the moms, the mothers in this room in Jesus' name, that you would give them peace, that you would remove anxiety and fear, Pray for strength. Pray for creativity. I, I, I pray that if you're a mom, you would know that, that you are incredible and you are beautiful and you're amazing and you've entrusted something that is, that is too hard to do for the dads. And God believes in you. And we believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Gilio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. That website address again is N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.